The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You're listening to the Eyes on Isles podcast with Matt O'Leary and Mitch Anderson. Hello and welcome to a special edition of the Eyes on Isles podcast, episode number 158. A couple of days early. What's going on? I am Matt O'Leary with Mitch Anderson. Mitch, how you doing tonight, buddy? Um, God is not happy, it seems, because he's very mad. He's bowling. He's not bowling strikes up there because it, it is <laughs> loud. It is very loud up there. Like, just... Thunder and it's been going on for like an hour now. I, it's, it's wild. I'm in my basement. I have headphones on. I'm talking to you, and still I can hear like out there. Uh, apparently, though, my kids didn't hear a darn thing. They're f- I, I just went up to check on them. They're out cold, buddy. They are not going anywhere. That's that's good. We like that. When the kids stay asleep, that is a good day for you. Absolutely. That's true. What's going on with you, buddy? Uh, not a whole lot. Um, excited to get after this podcast on a Sunday night, a little bit different from us, but just had a relaxing Sunday. Didn't really do all that much and, uh, excited to talk some Islanders hockey before going back to work tomorrow again. Yes. Yeah. Let's, let's get into this and talk about, uh, maybe we break down what happened last in the last series. And then we talk about what we can go look forward to this series or not look forward to this series. Absolutely. So obviously we'll start with what happened. The Islanders wrapped up their series against the Washington Capitals in five games and really a a dominant game five performance in the sense that one, obviously they didn't allow any goals, but that's exactly what the New York Islanders are looking to do. Like if you had to say, what is the New York Islanders system? It's exactly what we saw in game five. It was perfect. That's exactly what they want to do. Hey, l- let them play with the puck. Uh, we're not going to get anything, or not. We're not going to give them anything. Really, they dom. They maybe not dominated is, is a strong word, but they, the Capitals, had the lion's share of possession. When you look at Corsi numbers, I think it was like fifty-five plus, or I, I think a few more percentage points, maybe around fifty-five percent of the share at five on five. Right. But when you when you boil that down, like uh, I think Arthur Staple wrote it in in, in his post game, not post game but a series wrap-up piece mm-hmm. saying in game five, like they didn't get a shot on net for like the last seven minutes or something. That's and I, I think their last attempt or, or good attempt was 12 minutes in. <laughs> I, I'm hazy on it, but like it was, it was stupid. They just, they let them run around the Islander zone. And then the Capitals were like, Oh crap, we have nothing. And then the Islanders just pounded them on, on the counter, just pounded them. It was insane. Yeah, no, absolutely. That's, like you love to see that from the Islanders. That's when they're at their best and they just shut teams down defense with their defensive skills. It was really it was impressive to see and that kind of put the bow 
on the series because we kind of left uh, last time we did a podcast we had a sour taste in our mouths because they lost game four and they had a two nothing lead but realistically they, they shot themselves in the foot but they corrected that right away in game five they played a pretty well disciplined game and they were able to even take advantage on the power play and uh they finished two for 21 in the series i believe i think that's right something around those lines yeah yeah two for 20 two for 21 22 or something like that either way doesn't matter right they they went two for 20 and then it was either they ended up getting 21 or 22 uh power play opportunities but uh they were able they were able to score on one which was something that they weren't able to do for a majority of the series yeah their power play uh do i have this right here this is the playoffs um why is their their power play is 15 percent yikes 15.8%, 15.8%, which is not good. Nope. There are a bunch of teams that are worse than them, like the Leafs, Lulls, 15.4%. Just think about that. But that, that this takes into consideration what happened against Florida, right? Like, Of course. Um, anyways, uh, yeah, scoring on the power play, good. Uh, for me, what I, what I liked out of this series is that we saw the Islanders play, like we said, that defensive shell-ish uh, type of, uh, of play in Game 5. But we saw them dominate possession in, in the first three games, right? Like, True. they're... I think Matthew Barzell's line was like 60%, 70%, 60%, something like that, five-on-five Corsi 4, right. which is not Islanders. It's usually the other way around. They were running laps around them. So they run up to this 3-0 lead, not playing the style of hockey you would define as Islanders hockey, but they still did it. So they can do it two ways. We will run and gun you down, but we will also just completely park the bus and give you absolutely nothing. We could do it either way, boys. Which one do you want? Right? Like pick your poison is how the Islanders are playing right now. Exactly. And that's how you know that they're clicking on all cylinders because they can beat you either way, which is scary. That's a dangerous team in the playoffs. They don't seem to be able to beat you physically, which is weird when you have like Matt Martin, Cal Clutterbuck, and Ross Johnson, Cal Clutterbuck, and Ross Johnson on the roster. But we saw that in game three when the Flyers started pulling, uh, sorry, Flyers, when the Capitals started pulling their little shenanigans, we weren't able to rise to the occasion. They were able to bring us down, and that that's when it really got us. Yeah, no, absolutely. And I, I think that's a, a key thing that you brought up there. And it's almost ironic in a sense because, like you said, they're, they're built around – not built around, but the, the fourth line plays such a key role on the team. You would think that they'd be able to you know, dominate in that area, but they really didn't. Like you said, they got pushed around, especially in that second half of Game 4, really, really bad by the Capitals for sure. Yeah, and it, they, they just could not get themselves out of it. They couldn't get out of their own way, Matthew Barzell specifically – um, and that's going to be something that the Philadelphia Flyers will have identified and go for it. Like, if there's anything we should take out of the Flyers series against the Habs is that it was physical. Ask Brendan Gallagher. Yeah, no, it was. And the, and the Flyers are no, uh, no stranger to, you know, getting physical or their shenanigans like uh, we saw from Tom Wilson and the boys with Washington. Right. Um, Keeping on on the Washington series, just to kind of recap it as we use that as a preface to get into the Philadelphia Flyers series, uh, we didn't rely as much on, on Bo, right? It's not to say that True. Bo did not play well. It's that Bo didn't have to lead this team. This this team was led through this series by its top line, by Lee, by Barzal, and, and by Virtue Everly. It's not to say that Bo and Nelson and, and Bailey specifically did not play well. They really did. But in terms of offensive production, it was led from the top, you know, with the top two guys, and then Bailey, obviously. 
so that's great because that gives the Flyers something to think about going like, guys, they, they destroyed the Capitals and they didn't do it on the backs of Anthony Bovillier, who destroyed the Florida Panthers. Right. You're able to get the contributions from everyone, which I think is is important because like we said in the Florida series, for example, Anders Lee really didn't do anything. But he ended up finishing no. with three goals in the in the Capitals series, and he was obviously a difference maker. And I thought, you know, the top line overall was better in the Capitals series than what it was in the Florida series. And I think that, you know, obviously, hockey players get streaky and stuff like that. And in order to have a sustained run, you need to have balance because you know your your guys might go cold. We saw it with the Boston's top line in the you know preliminary round, uh, or the whatever they were calling it the. Round robin. The round robin, yeah. So, you know, these things happen. But if the Islanders, for instance, like, yeah, in the first round, it was that second line that really carried them. But who knows? Maybe it'll be J.G. Pajot, who maybe a defender goes off and has, like, you know, two goals in three games or something like that. Exactly. And that's the thing. Like you said, you want balance. And the Islanders got a lot of balance from the lineup. They also got a lot of balance or bricklaying from the guy at the back end, right? Simeon Varlamov, just absolute stonewall in the nets. Just ridiculous how well he played in both series, right? Including the Florida one, but specifically the Washington one. It was insane. No, it truly was unbelievable for Simeon Varlamov. For the playoffs right now, he has a 934 save percentage and a 1.67 goals against average. Specifically at 5-on-5, he's been downright dominant. Uh, I, you look at, at his body of work, what he's been able to do in the playoffs. It's just, you know, absolutely insane, really. I'm trying to pull up what his save percentage was for each I'm going to take a guess. Let me take a guess. His five-on-five five save percentage, 963, goals against average, 1.21. I, I'm going with that. Okay. It's close. I, I know I'm close. I just don't know how close. Okay, let's see if we got to get goalies up, and now it's going to take a second to load. So, and, and by five, are you going from August 11th onwards, or are you including the Florida series? Because that was not including the Florida series, I believe. Either way, it doesn't matter. I'm including the Florida series. Okay, fair enough. All right. 963 save percentage <gasps> and a 0.87 goals <laughs> against. I was off by 0.4. Negative. I went too high. Yeah. Yeah, less than a goal against per game, and I think his goal saved above average is tied with uh, uh, Jacob Markstrom, right? At like five point three four or something like that. So they're they're pretty close. Okay. Max Maxstrom has a seven point two nine, and Varley's at a five point five five. Okay, all right, right, because there are other games that happen since then. It's an average, so it moves. Yeah, either way, second best goal saved above average in the playoffs absolute absolutely incredible right like this they they not only have scoring depth right because like two of their guys are top of the charts of course there are games that have happened since then right uh, Bo is like tied for the league in scoring uh, although that that has changed because um uh mckinnon has played and is scoring like ridiculous uh so is the dial stars but either way i, I did the west actually play defense does anyone in the west I don't play think defense so, at all man that so that dallas game was absolutely wild because I don't know if you were, we're going on a slight tangent, but I'm going to loop it right back in. Don't worry. So when we got on to talk, I said that I had Dallas in a in a parlay and I was pissed because they were down three nothing. And you're like, oh, it's still early. I don't know if you remember saying that. Well, they came back and won the game seven yep. three. 
So I was in a I was in a very good mood from that. But the, yeah, the West is just bananas. But wanted to wanted to get that out there. That yes, my parlay hit. Thank you for coming back, Dallas. Um, but yeah, I, I, I'm convinced that no one in the Western Conference plays any kind of defense at all. Which is great for us, but we're getting ahead of ourselves either way. Um, so when it comes to the Islanders, you, they're playing defense and they're scoring, right? They're not getting any goals against. And it all, and even then, the goals that they are allowing, most of them are on the power play, which can be fixed. It can be fixed. They could be better on the PK. We've seen them happen. They, they may not be the best PK in the playoffs, but they can have a competent power of penalty kill that I'm certain of. And if they do that, look out. Where are these where are these teams going to score from? They're not scoring five on five. And if they can't score power play, where else are they going to score? They're going to have to do a shorthanded. The, the Islanders just never going to take a power play. Just no, no, we decline. Yeah, yeah, he tripped our guy. Yeah, yeah, that's fine. We decline. And then it's like, oh, God. Yeah. I wish there was an option. Can we sign up for that? No, I don't think so. But yeah, that would be great. <laughs> no, absolutely. But when you look at you know the five games that the Islanders played, for the most part, they did well at limiting the Washington Capitals. I mean, you look at the goal totals, two, two, one, three, zero. That's a winning formula. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. It is. And, and we, we proved it. The only game they lost is because they didn't play well in those last two periods where they looked gas. In that third yeah. period... Oh my God, they were looking at the clock with like 10 minutes left going, can we please get the hell out of here? I'm dead. Yeah, that that was bad. That was bad. And, you know, they granted, they kind of did it to themselves to an extent too, uh, but it, it wasn't great. But ultimately here, like I'm looking at, you know, what they've done in the playoffs so far. They, they're seven and two in nine games. They're playing really well. They are. They're, they're playing very, very well. But they are taking on an, op- an opponent who's also who has also played very well in these playoffs, right? Like the Philadelphia Flyers, now that we transition out from Washington, because screw them. Although we'll get back to them a little bit later, I'm sure of it, because uh, I want to. Uh, but as we transition to the Philadelphia Flyers, they also are, are, are pretty damn good, right? Like they, they were the best team in the Eastern Conference after the round robin. I think they were the fourth seed in going into the round robin and then they just destroyed everyone oh my god my eye oh man i don't know about you buddy but like ah uh, i've do? had issues with my eye i itched it which is fine it's just there's a pain in my eye i don't know what the hell is going on last couple of days it felt like I, i've got something stuck in my eye i don't know if my kids came into the room at night and just like jabbed their finger in my eye because it it's killing me and so now when i go to itch it it's not only like itchy it's painful oh man anyway sorry i had to oh god sorry where the hell was i oh yes uh, the philadelphia flyers took on the montreal canadians and they didn't i i didn't think that they were very convincing they were great in the round robin they just destroyed everyone but then when they got to the the games that mattered it wasn't that convincing i felt Ooh, okay. I feel like that's kind of a hot take. And we're going to get into all that in a second. We've got to take a quick break first. But when we come back, we're going to get into the Philadelphia Flyers and why Mitch isn't sold on Philly just yet. Welcome back to the Eyes on Isles podcast, episode number 158. Matt and Mitch with you previewing the Philadelphia Flyers against the New York Islanders series now. And uh, so you're not convinced, Mitch, is what I'm, what I'm gathering from this. No, I'm not. Like, okay, so... We know that um, Carter Hart pitched two shutouts, right? Like he, he held yes. Montreal to no goals in game three and game four. 
Well, Carey Price did the same thing in game two, but Philly hasn't been able to score much. Like the, their their highest scoring game was game four and five, right? One, two, three, four, five. Sorry, game five and six, where they scored three goals apiece. Game five was a loss because they allowed Montreal to score five goals against. Montreal also scored five goals uh, on game two. Mind you, this is a team that apparently doesn't have a top line. This is from the Flyers players. Like, they didn't know who the top line is for Montreal because they don't have good players. Montreal was able to get 10 goals out of two games against the Philadelphia Flyers. They're supposed to be a defensively strong team. That does not sound like a defensively strong team to me. No, 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 definitely not. When you're giving up, you know, a five spot. But you have, like you said, it's weird because you have two games where you score five goals, and then in the other one, two, three, four games, you score three goals. How does that make any yeah. sense? Right. So, like, I'm not convinced. And, and we, we can get we can break down how the Islanders have played against them. But like, I, I I don't look at this and I go, like, oh, oh, Philly, Philly put on a master class. They did not. They were good. Right. They were good. Montreal was just as good. This could have gone either way. It only, it only went to six games, but, like, Every game is a one goaler, except for two, except for game four, uh, that Philly won. Every game that Philly won was a one goal game, aside from game four, which is a two nothing game. No, that's Other right. Other than that, they got blown out of the water when they lost. No, that's right. They two goals for zero, one, two, three, three. Like you said, they're not scoring a ton of goals right now, or at least in that round. Who knows? That could change against the Islanders, but. I have a little statistic for you that might uh, might make you feel a little bit more comfortable. Okay, sure. I'm already pretty comfortable, so this better be a pretty damn good stat. Okay, this tweet comes from James Duffy. You might have seen him on Twitter. But he, he says, Barry Trotz seeing the Flyers are the worst team left in the playoffs in expected goals, high danger chances, and five-on-five possession. Oh, love it. Five-on-five possession being the worst team. Oh, man. Oh, See? man. Bring so that's, it on. That's where the Islanders thrive is on the five-on-five. And if they're expected goals and, and they're not getting any high-danger chances against the Montreal Canadiens who, sorry, Montreal, they, they really, in a regular season, they're, they're not making the playoffs. They probably didn't deserve to be there. No, they were 10 points out. They were 10 points out, and they still made it. Right. So then if you would imagine, again, there's no way of knowing this just yet, but based on what we've seen from the Islanders so far and based on what we've seen from Philly so far, that the Islanders would be able to thrive against a team that is looking like this. They should. They should. And, and like their their record against the Flyers over the last two years, I believe, is 5-3-0 and for the yes. Islanders. No, 5-2-0. Uh, is it 5-2-0? and That's crazy. Yeah. Right, because it's only been seven games. They they didn't play eight, of course. Yeah, yeah, five two and zero. Uh, since Barry Trotz has come over, um, also Elaine Vigneault is a good coach. There's no denying that. Um, but even when he was with the the Rangers, the Islanders kind of had his number from like 2015 to the end of his tenure there. So if you want to again, different rosters and stuff like that. But I just think that matchup wise, out of all the teams that that are left in the Eastern Conference. This matchup is probably the best for the Islanders. I would I would agree to that, and and that's that's incredible that this is round two. Like, we we might be able to get to round three now. Now Philly is a good team, and yeah. and um, while 
we do have our success recently, like specifically this season, right? Like we're three and zero against the Flyers this season. Right. One went to shootout, and the other two were five three wins. Uh, so like we scored a lot, but they were scoring a lot as well, right? Like that's True. eight goals in two games. Like that. That's. I'm not saying we won those convincingly. That's for sure. No, no, absolutely not. And I think you have to throw the regular season out the window. One, because the playoffs is just a different beast in general. But also, that was so long ago, too, with like the huge layoff now. The last time they played was what, January? It was February, February I believe. February 12th or something like that. Right. So that's, that's months ago. Like, it's completely different. These teams are in different, you know, different points now. But I think when you look at, like you said, their difficulty to to put up consistent offense and what the Islanders do best, it kind of plays into what the Islanders are trying to do, no? Absolutely. Let me toss some numbers at you here, some other numbers. So we know that the Islanders are bad at the power play. Well, the Philadelphia Flyers have a worse penalty kill than the Islanders do. They are 76.2%. Since the playoffs started, so that's not round robin. So against the Montreal Canadiens, they had a 76.2% PK. Mind you, this is a Montreal Canadiens team that has been at the bottom, bottom of the league in terms of power play percentage over the last two years. Okay. So they're not a good power play team, and they found success against the Philadelphia Flyers when the games mattered. We're not talking about round robin where the games didn't matter and teams didn't show up. Mm Mm-hmm. Uh, And then on the power play, they aren't very good either. 14.3% on the power play over 16, or oh, sorry, over six games against the Montreal Canadiens. Right. That's not good either. The Islanders obviously are worse at 9.1, but like we don't need the power play to win. We would like the power play. Of course. That would be great, but we've shown that we don't need it to win because we haven't relied on it for two series now. No, right. It was good against the, the, the Florida Panthers. Exactly. It was it was decent against Florida, that's for sure. But uh, that's a great point that you bring up, is the Islanders have had their success at 5-on-5, five five, and they've struggled very much so on special teams. So even if they just get to average, uh, even if they're still below average, even like they're, they're a dumpster fire, essentially, in both areas. If they get to mediocre on both, I think we'd sign up for mediocre. As crazy as that sounds, I think we would sign up for it, because it would be an improvement over what we're seeing now. Right, but the reason I bring that up, and and you're absolutely right, if we can get mediocre, that would be great, is that the ability or the possibility for the Islanders to get to mediocrity in terms of the special teams is there, considering Mm -hmm. the opponent we have is mediocre at best in terms of both, right? Like They have a worse penalty kill than we do. They have a better uh, power play, but not by much. Right, and that's the thing. Like We saw, obviously, uh, against the Panthers, the power play looked a lot better and the Panthers were terrible on the penalty kill all year where the Capitals were very good on the penalty kill. So it kind of fed into those narratives. And now you're getting a third series at this point where you're looking at what the Islanders, you know, have done during the regular season, what this, their opponent, which is the Flyers in this case has done. And specifically in the playoffs, they haven't been great. No, they haven't. So, even when you look at their scoring, again, this is all situations, maybe not again, but this is across all situations, the Flyers. This is kind of what we brought up earlier. 1.83 goals for per game, 2.17 goals against per game, mm-hmm. uh, which isn't high. That's that's a pretty low goals against number, but the Islanders are better in both, in both categories. 3.40 goals for per game for the Islanders. For the Islanders. 
mm-hmm. 3.40, 1.60 goals against per game. Uh, that's the lowest in the playoffs, uh, lower than the Montreal Canadiens at 1.83. Right. So, like, the Montreal Canadiens were the next best defensive team um, against against the Flyers. So, like, the Islanders should be able to do this. Their goalie is better than Carey Price's this year, uh, both uh, in the regular season and in the playoffs. So, like, I, I really fancy the Islanders' chances. I, I don't want to get too ahead of myself, but, man, man, I, I think the Islanders can do a job here. I think so, too. And uh, I kind of want to transition a little bit and talk about some players in particular on yes. Philly, and then we'll get into, you know, some X-Factors and stuff like that, like we have been doing the last few weeks for the Islanders and stuff like that. Does... I'll start with the goalie because Carter Hart to me has been, you know, the the standout guy. And he's six and two in the playoffs with a nine forty three save percentage of one seven one goals against average. Like we said, two shutouts. Does his performance so far scare you in terms of with the Islanders' offense and going up against them? He's definitely a better goalie than uh, than we face against the Washington Capitals with Barrett, Braden Holpe. Right, like Holpe was garbage in the regular season and in the playoffs. Carter Hart is not. With that being said, he's still a rookie in terms of at least playoff performances. Like he's only got two years of NHL experience, and that first year, I think he only has like thirty some odd games played from last yeah, season. Thirty-one in twenty eighteen and forty-three this year. Right. So like, he's got about two years of regular season experience under him. About, uh, but he has this is his first playoff appearance, and we saw. Sure, he has two shutouts. He also has two games where he allowed five goals against. Right, so like the up and downness, he's not settled yet. He's good. He's good. He's going to be even better, I'm sure. Uh, but I, I would fancy our chances against what is essentially a rookie goalie here. Now we've seen rookie goalies win Stanley Cups. The uh, the Pittsburgh Penguins have one, uh, so that happens. And but, Jordan Bennington essentially last year. <laughs> right. Yeah, that's true. So like it happens, and it's happened recently. However. Um, I'm I'm not convinced that he alone can win the Florida the the, uh, the Philadelphia Flyers the Stanley Cup this year. He's good, he's good, and that he certainly helps. But like I, I I see shakiness. So I have a take that I think I don't think you'll classify it as hot. I think some people in the national media might would might consider it a hot take. But I think Semyon Varlamov outplays Carter Hart this series. By a significant margin. Whoa, significant margin. Um, wow. Yeah, I think that's pretty hot. I, I really do. Uh, it's not to say that I don't think Varlamov will outplay him. I just don't think the margin will be that wide. Uh, I hope I hope I'm wrong, of course. I, mm-hmm. I just... Hart is a good goalie, and I, I do see some inconsistencies, but or what I think are inconsistencies. But um, to think that... Like, what, what makes you say that? Explain that to me. Sell me. What's your elevator pitch on that? Okay. Well, I think, like you said, there was, I want to say, two games where he's had a couple of clunkers against the Montreal Canadiens, and I would imagine that you could, we could both agree that the Islanders are a better team than the Montreal Canadiens and have more weapons than the Montreal Canadiens. That is a correct assessment to make, okay. yes. I would also say that being a 21-year-old going up against a Barry Trotz team is probably not an easy thing to do. Um, and then to Varley's credit, he's been he's been great, 
and I'm not sold on Philly putting up a ton of offense in this series. I don't think we're going to see games where they're scoring three-plus goals a game. I have a hard time seeing that, sure. And they, they had a hard time doing that against the Montreal Canadiens, right, who have a worse defensive core. They have two good defensemen, in, like pretty good defensemen, in, in Weber and, and Petrie, but it kind of falls off a cliff after that. They have some right. interesting players. Xavier Wallet, I believe, is a defenseman. Either way, um, they have some interesting players, but I don't. They don't have the depth that the Islanders do. Not yet, anyways. It, uh, along all six, and they're not even using Johnny Boychuk, who might step in for this. Although I don't think so. Um, yeah, I, I, I'm with you there. I just. When you say vastly outplayed, that's where I'm like, man, I, I don't know if Carter Hart is going to collapse. He might. He might. Like second round, the pressure of a, of a veteran coach knows how to get at a goalie. He might. Would oh, you – what would – is like 25 percentage points significant? 25 percentage points. So if we're talking about like Varley has a 9-25 save percentage – Carter Hart would have a 900 save percentage, is what you're saying. Yes. That seems like a lot to me. Okay. But that, that would be significant. If you're saying that's what it's going to be, cool. I don't I don't agree. That's why I think it's a hot take. Okay. Yeah, I think it's going to be – I think their save percentage will be – there will be a 20 percentage point difference. Wow. Wow. That is caliente. Muy caliente. 935 and 915. Whew. Whew, I like it. I like it. I hope so. I, I don't think so. But I, I, holy Hannah, do I hope so. Uh, that would be amazing. Because if so, oh my God, that gets me giddy like a goat for the next round. <laughs> don't do that to yourself. <laughs> I know, I'm getting way ahead of myself. But, uh, okay, okay so we talked about the goalies. Who else do you want to talk about? Yeah, absolutely. I think when you look at the Philadelphia Flyers and you know their big performers in, in the playoffs, at least for this year, Voracek's at a point per game. With a four goals and eight points in eight games, and and Kevin Hayes has been good as well. He has seven points in nine games. But that doesn't include their two big guns, right? Like Claude Giroux and Sean Couturier. And while Couturier may not be the the, the top scorer in the playoffs ever, he still puts up points, right? I, I think he's a fifty to sixty point player over the last two years, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, Couturier had fifty nine points in sixty nine games this year, and last year. He had how many? Seventy six. Right. So I was even off. I was being I was being too conservative with him, uh, and they're not scoring. But who is the one that 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 really comes to mind for me? Because he scores against the Islanders. I believe over the last two years he has. I think it's like eleven points in eleven games against the Islanders. I, I could be wrong. It's close. I, I, I tweeted it out the other day, and of course, because my memory is awful, I, I completely forgot it. Uh, so let, yeah, let me bring that up. That. Yeah, but Giroux hasn't scored a playoff goal yet. Which worries me a little bit, right? Because he's okay. going to at some point, right? You'd imagine so. Well, <laughs> You'd you, certainly yeah. think so. I guess it's possible that he doesn't. No, well, I mean... He had a good regular season. He had 53 points in 69 games, 21 goals. He only had 22 goals last year, and he had 21 in 69. So, you know, he's usually a, a, a very good goal scorer, just for whatever reason in the playoffs, he's been cold. Yeah. Okay, so over the last two years, they've played seven games, like you mentioned earlier. I don't know why I said 11. I already knew that it wasn't. Anyways, um, Giroux has seven points. Couturier has seven points. Konechny has seven points. 
or sorry, four points. Sorry, Giroux seven, Couturier six, Konechny four. There we go. Okay, those are the top scores against the Islanders in the last two years. Two years, right? So that's under Barry Trotz and. Two of those guys that I would expect at the top for the Philadelphia Flyers aren't scoring. So I I, I pause because I'm a little worried that they're just going to turn it on because they play well against the Islanders. They really do. Uh, you, you stretch that out over three years. Giroux has 14 points in 11 games and Couturier has 12 points in 11 games against okay. the Islanders. Right. So these guys love scoring against the Isles. They haven't done it yet. Uh, if they turn it on now, I'm worried. Yeah, I mean, it's definitely a possibility. We, I wouldn't be necessarily stunned if that happened. Uh, I, I just think that, like we said earlier in, in this segment, that the, it's matchup-wise, it's kind of goes for what the Islanders try to do. Yeah. With that being said, uh, we mm-hmm. talked about the... Uh, sorry, let, let's keep on... the. I, I don't want to go to the Islanders just yet. Uh, let's just yes. keep on them. I'm worried about Giroud turning it on. I'm worried about Couturier turning it on. And we've already seen Couturier uh, be a little, um, what's the word I want to use here? Uh, aggressive, right? <laughs> With his, um, yeah. uh, what, what's the word? I'm like? Dale Hunter-esque hit on, what was his name? Was it Le- Lekkonen? I think it was Arturi Lekkonen that he did it on. I, I think you're right. I Either way, it doesn't right. matter. So like they, they have scored empty net goal and he just like, he doesn't completely Dale Hunter him, um, but he definitely lays out Lickinen, who I don't know if he even scored. I don't think he's the one who even scored the goal. He just, like, gets in front of him, knocks him down, and he gets nothing for it either way. Uh, so he seems that he's playing on a, on a physical edge, and I, and I worry that he turns that edge into an offensive edge. That's my worry. He may okay. not, because he's not yet, so we should be okay. Maybe. Mm. You certainly hope so. It just it bothers me a bit. The other player that kind of bothers me uh, on their team is uh, Ivan Provorov. Oh, yeah, you are a big Provorov guy. He's a great, great defender in terms of just in his own zone and moving the puck forward. Uh, and he always seems to play well against the Islanders. He's not one of their top producers against the Isles over the last couple of years, but he does more than just put up points for the, the, the Philadelphia Flyers. No, yeah, like he's not... He does put up a decent amount of points. He had 36 and 13 goals in the regular season. But like you said, he's also, you know, really good in his own end. He plays a ton of minutes, too. During the regular season, 24-51 was his average ice time. That's a lot. Um, so he's very important for them going forward. Uh, the Isles don't seem to have any issues. Like, they're not going to be scarred or, or scurred, yeah. as uh, Wilbon likes to say. I don't know why I said scarred. Um, <laughs> scurred uh, of Ivan Provorov because they've handled him before, but he always seems to bring it up uh, against the Islanders, just like we saw with Giroud and Couturier. Yes, it's uh, it's definitely, I think he's definitely someone you have to watch. And, jeez, he he's averaging over 25 minutes, by the way. In the playoffs? In the playoffs, yeah. Ooh. Well, that that's good in one sense. We don't have a guy that's averaging that much, right? Like, I think if we looked at our times, they're going to be pretty close to the same, right? Like, you're going to have... Pellick, Pollock, Taze, Mayfield, somewhere around 22 to 20 minutes worth of ice time. And obviously Andy Green is, is nowhere to be found in that. Like he plays 14 minutes a night kind of thing. Uh, but that plays into what the Islanders do in terms of depth, not only going forward, but on the blue line, where you don't have to rely on, on one horse to carry you through. You got four or five of them, Right. I assume. No, absolutely. Yeah, you would you would assume that it's at least five who can play, you know, significant minutes. You know, Andy Green's not going to. 
No, I, I just say that because I don't have the numbers in front of me, although maybe I should get them. Let, let's, let me get those minutes. Um, I'm going to pull up all situations. We're going to natural stat trick. And when you said playoffs, did you mean uh, including round robin? Uh, in, let's see, in, I believe it was nine games. Yeah, nine. So games. it would be yeah. So that would be round robin as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, so Islanders, and then I'm going by date. Um, so 2020, and then when did when did the playoffs start? It was in July, right? I'm August just gonna one. go August one. August right. What am I talking about? August yes, of course. And then 08, and then today we're the 23rd. Submit. Okay, so I'm doing all all strength time on ice. Uh, so, oh God, yeah, I can't do, didn't do the averages, of course. Oh, rates. There we go. Time on ice per game played. And if I do just defense, yeah, the highest is Ryan Pollock at 2055. Yeah, there you go. So 2055 Pollock, uh, sorry, 2053 Pollock, 2027 for Nick Letty, forgot about him. Mm-hmm. Uh, Devin Tays, 1957, Scott Mayfield, 1839. Like we don't have the, we have workhorses. We have guys that we mm-hmm. rely on like Pollock and Tays, but they're not the one guy and you're out there all the time. Like Thomas Shabbat ish. No, you know, the Islanders don't need, and it changes all the time. Like sometimes randomly you see Scott Mayfield have like 22 minutes and you're like, Oh, okay. We got 22 minutes of Scotty today. Yeah. And, and that, that plays into the Islanders' hands where they don't have to rely on one guy. Not only can they rely, sorry, not only can they roll out four lines, but they can roll out three defensive pairings at almost near, uh, near um, ice time. Yeah. No, that's a great point, too. So you're not just exposing one guy to your opponent. It's like you shut that one guy down, there goes their blue line. You shut down Provorov. Who else you got? Gossip here? You guys don't even like him. You don't even like him. No, they, they're not big. Gustafir guys so great I love it I love it even more I'm getting so amped for this series I think oh, anyways I'll get to prognostication afterwards I'm just I'm all After, over the right. place so let's get to the Islanders now and talk about who we think some X factors are going to be in this series I have one for you yeah um, he's been quiet production wise so far but I think he's been really good defensively and that's uh, Casey Sezikis I think that we start to see some goal scoring from him. During the regular season, he didn't go more than 10 games without a goal. He's at nine right now with that one. So I think he's due for a couple of goals in this series. So I think we see a little bit more offensive pop from Casey in this series. That makes sense. I I like that. Yeah, Casey's a great player. Um, This is going to be a grinding series. Uh, I don't know what... You know what? Might as well just bring up their ice time as well. They being the Philadelphia Flyers. Uh, to just kind of look at the same thing. Like, do they uh, place a lot of the ice time burden on their forwards? It's something I haven't necessarily looked at. Mm-hmm. Uh, Provrov, 25. Niskin in 22. Uh, Couturier, 19 minutes. And then Voracek, 17. And then you're, you're, you're around the 17-minute mark. I, I think they roll their guys out pretty evenly, just like us. But for uh, comparison's sake, I'm going to bring up just the forwards for the Islanders here. Uh, and then go it from top to bottom. I don't know. We don't have a single player over 19 minutes on average per night. Yeah, that that's not really how they roll. We don't have a guy over 18 and a half minutes per night. The highest okay. is Brock Nelson in 18.25 per night. And then Matthew Barzell, 18.22. Wow. 
right? So like we're we're spread out a lot more evenly than than they are. So they do rely on, on their top guys. Maybe not like a, a ton, but they mm. they certainly favor their top guys. So I, I could see how uh, what you're saying bears fruit. Yeah. No, definitely. Um, my X factor. It's a, it's a bit. Ch- uh, let me know if you've heard of this guy before. His name is. Uh, let me get. Let me get here. Matthew Berzal. Matthew Berzal? No, Barzal. Barzal. I I don't know. I've never heard of this kid. Never heard of him. Um, in, so you went with the uh, chalk answer. <laughs> in seven games against the uh, the who are we playing? The Flyers. That's it. Yeah. God. Who, who knows? Uh, in seven games against the Flyers this year, he has ten points. Two goals, eight assists. Wow. You spread that out over three years. In 11 games, he has 17 points. That's pretty good. (laughs) I like that. I like that a lot. Six goals, 11 assists for Matthew Barzell against the Philadelphia Flyers over the last three years. Uh, Josh Bailey, not too far behind, 13 points in 11 games against the Philadelphia Flyers over the last three years. Uh, What's up, Josh Bailey haters? Um. I, I'm glad you brought up his name. Could I? We can get back to Barzell in a second. I like. We don't numbers. need to. I think the point is made with Barzell. Please go. Um, because uh, I I wrote something the other day about Josh Bailey, and he's leading the Islanders in points with with ten in the playoffs. So I just wanted to get a PSA out there. I know Mitch agrees with me on this one. If you're still trying to find ways to prove that Josh Bailey is bad, at this point you are just doing it because you're stubborn. There is no other. There's no reasonable explanation for trying to prove that Josh Bailey isn't good when he consistently over the last four years has been one of the more important Islanders. So I was just a little bit tired of the the slander of Josh Bailey that I was seeing on the uh, timeline and the fact that he's leading the Islanders in points and, and not a small sample size, like ten points in nine games. That's uh, that's a pretty good chunk. Uh, it, it bothered me a little bit, so I'm glad you brought up his name. Yeah, but Matt, in 2010, 2011, he only had 28 points, all right? So, like, <laughs> maybe, you. maybe you should chill. <laughs> that's that's the thing, man. Stop bringing up the narratives from six-plus years ago. Like, it, <laughs> yeah. it's so annoying. I, I Oh, my God, it's driving me insane. You're right. He was garbage in 10, 11, and, and for a few years. He was garbage. He was not a ninth overall. You also have to remember this guy. Anyways, we're, we're getting crazy here, but, like, he, he wasn't. He was brought right in. He was drafted and put into the league as a 19-year-old. He was yep. under Jack Capuano. Come on, guys. I don't, I don't know. It's, it's beyond frustrating. But I, I'm glad, I think he is definitely – I'm adding Bailey to the list of someone to watch as well just because he's been great the entire postseason and everyone's talking about – I mean, rightfully so for these guys too. But Pajot and Beauvillier has been kind of stealing the headline, so to speak. But Bailey has been – just as steady, if not more so. Yeah, he hit every number you look at, he's incredible. Every single number you look at, he's wild. Aside from Anthony Beauvillier, uh, I'm just looking at his. I, it's the one number that came up, but like individual high danger chances for per 60, 7.32. Oh my God. Next is like Anders Lee at 7.76. Like they're, they have been nuts for the Islanders, those two. Anyways, yep. I, I, just, I have to bring that up. But you're right. Josh Bailey, Matthew Barzell. It's chalk. It's chalk. But like sometimes chalk prevails and it's chalk for a reason. No, absolutely. And I, I, I think you're right. I don't disagree with you on Matt, Bar, on Matt Barzell. I, I think 
He's productive in this year. I definitely think he is. I mean, you look at the Islanders roster, and he's probably their their best player. Uh, and like you said, historically, he's been really good against the Flyers, so I don't necessarily expect that to change. No, exactly. So, uh, and and then you have Varley and Nets, right? Like we we can talk about the blue line. We already did. Like Ryan Pollock, I think is is quietly leading the way for the Islanders, but really it comes down to Sabian Varlamov, who's mm-hmm. better than Carter Hart, at least in these playoffs. Yeah, I think I really believe that Varlamov is going to be the better goalie in this series. Um, especially when you look at what he's done five on five, he's been absolutely phenomenal. And I think if they even get to having an okay penalty kill, because I don't necessarily put the power play goals on him. Right, I would say it's more you know the stuff going on you know around him. Obviously, in in that Washington series, when he he let in like two bad goals in five games. Yeah, how many bad it. goals did uh, Brayden Holtby let in all in the entire series? Exactly, that's what I mean. Like I think that we're gonna see Varlamov continue to roll, and part of the reason, and I'm not discrediting Varlamov, who's been great, but part of the reason is because the Islanders have stuck to the system so well and played the system to a T. I expect that to continue in this series as well. So I just think we see these same progressions continue to go. Yeah, absolutely. It, the, the system isn't a fluke. They've been doing it for two years, and they're executing it to perfection. That That's what allows them to win, and that's how they're doing it. So, yeah, I, I don't expect this to change. Maybe the Flyers find something. They, they find their Achilles heel. Maybe. It's possible. Although with everything that we've listed so far, I, I really have a hard time. I have a hard time with this one. Do you want to get to a, a, a project, not a projection, but a prognostication? Do you want to figure out how or what's your, what's the word I'm looking Prediction? for? Yes, thank you. My God, I thought of every other dumb <laughs> P word around that. I couldn't think of the actual P word I wanted to use. Yes. What's your prediction for this series? Okay. I am taking the Islanders in six games. I, I want to do that too. I'm going to do Isles in five just to be different. I'm doing it again. Okay, well, in five. I'm, I'm surprised you didn't dance on my grave because you predicted the Capitals in five. You didn't mention that once. I just, I'm just pretty good. I, I'm just ranked or tied for fourth in NHL brackets in the entire world. Just, just no, no brag. Well, just no brag. brag. Just, brag. I think fourth. You know, I think that's pretty good, right? There's a lot of people tied at third and fourth. Like, there's a lot. Yeah, I'm sure. Uh, but still, still, 92 points so far. Good job by me. A boy, yeah. I, I'm okay. So, we're both saying that the Islanders are advancing. Um, you're saying five games, I'll say six games. I, again, Philly's a good team. I don't, we've we're excited about this series and we both think the Islanders can win, but I don't think Islanders fans or the Islanders in general should take Philadelphia lightly. This is a good team, they are. They're a well coached team. I just think that we're a better coached team, we're a deeper team, we're, we're playing better. Um, I think the fact that they they like swept the round robin shouldn't factor in here because like we saw what happened with Boston and we saw what happened with Washington. Well, maybe not Washington, uh, with with Tampa Bay. Like those teams weren't very good, and then they just they turned it on, right? Like Boston specifically did not care. They did not care at all. No, absolutely. So with that, you want to get into the quiz, Mitch? Ready yes, for that? I am all ready. Right. Are you ready? Let's do it. As every week, or as for every week, we uh, have a little quiz that we like to do where I try to get Matt to guess a specific player. He has five guesses to guess the player. That player typically has played X number of games for the Islanders. In this case, it's 58 games. 
So this player has played 58 games for the New York Islanders at some point in their career. Matt, okay. are you ready to figure out who this player is? Let's do it. Clue number one. I was born October 25th, 1966 in Kelvington, Saskatchewan. I know you're a big Saskatchewan boy, so I thought that might give you a, a little tip. I'm going to ask for the next question, please. <laughs> or next clue. <laughs> Two. In 58 games with the Islanders, I scored 24 goals, 19 assists, and put up 43 points. So pretty good. Pretty good. Pretty damn good. But short stint. Was not here yeah. long. Okay, next. Clue number three. I was traded for Claude Lemieux in 1995. So the Islanders received the player I'm trying to get you to guess. They sent out Claude Lemieux in 1995. Okay. Okay. Clue number four. I was traded five months later in a six-player deal that also returned the pick that would turn out to be Roberto Luongo to the Islanders. So he went to another team. The player I'm trying to get you to guess went to another team. We brought back three players. We sent three players to the to whatever team I'm trying to get you to figure out-ish. Uh, in the three players we got back, we also got a pick, and that was the fourth overall pick in 2000? No. 1999. 90, no. No, 97. Yes. Rod, why did I get that wrong? Yes, thank you. I didn't write that oh. part down, so I have to guess. This is really bothering me. I don't know. I don't know. Okay, five. I, I don't give away his name that, that easily, kind of. People refer to me as Captain Crunch, but not as Mr. Clark. Wendell Clark? Correct. Okay. All right. All right. That was a good one. Oh, right on time one. for the song. I didn't even have to fade it out or anything. That's incredible. Oh, no. Um, yeah, the Captain Crunch okay. thing isn't an Islanders thing per se, but that's just what people call him, specifically people in the Toronto area. Yeah, now, Wendell Clark was good, man. He was-ish. Well, well, whatever. 43 points for 58 games, pretty good, but, like, anyways. Absolutely. Well, we so, also got Kenny Johnson in that trade, mind you. Kenny Johnson always came ooh. back in that trade uh, with the Maple right. Leafs. That's right. That was That was a good deal. So with that, we are going to get into the social segment when we come back right after this. What's going on, Matt O'Leary and Mitch Anderson with you. Getting into the social segment now. Mitch, what do you got for us this week? I have something from Rebecca Thompson. So it's at Re- uh, Rebecca Thompson, two E's. Uh, so R, two E's there. Um, who did a pencil drawing, a colored oh, pencil drawing of Matthew this Barzell. This is unbelievable. Yeah. And it is spectacular. I can't believe that it is pencil. It looks like a photograph. It really does. Like the, the glare on, on the the visor, right? Like the reflection of the light. That's inc- I don't know how I don't know how they do it. I know how to draw. I'm not great at drawing, but I can draw. But coloring, I, I could never get. I I don't know how you do this. This is insane. I, I good job. Absolutely great job that you did there. No, that I saw it. That was unbelievable. Unbelievable stuff. So, what do you got, buddy? Uh, so first one for you is more of a question based on something that happened okay so at the end of the capitals islanders game yep mike milberry says something stupid (laughs) yes we're not surprised we don't have to rehash what he said no but he is stepping away from the remainder of the broadcast 
by NBC for the rest of the playoffs. So Thanks. I'm asking you this. Yep. Have we finally seen the end of Mike Milbury? I'm not sure. I hope so. I hope to God so. I said he should get fired earlier in the year when he was on an Islanders broadcast. And he's like, you know, that Bovillia guy really needs to step it up. And like Bo had four points in the last two games, had 22 points over 32. And I'm like, Mike, what the hell are you talking about? You clearly didn't do your research coming into the game, which is a bare minimum, bare minimum, uh, let alone these ridiculously despicable comments he makes uh, multiple times, multiple times in the playoffs. Uh, just insane. I, I don't think so. I, I think he just goes away and they try to sweep it under the rug. I, I hope I'm wrong, but I don't have faith in NBC. I hope this is the end, too. I really do. I, I think his shtick or gimmick, whatever you want to call it, I, I'm not a fan of it. Um, I, I think it doesn't play in 2020 more. I think people are, are tired of it. And if NBC was smart, they would uh, change up their broadcast teams a little bit. Yeah, the, the contract is coming up, right, for the, the American TV rights. Uh, yeah. If you don't have, like, I'm, I saw they put Anson Carter in studio. He was great. Mm-hmm. Uh, AJ Malesko's coming in. Like, I think she still needs a few more reps, um, but she's not far away. She, she will be, not maybe not leading the national desk, but she will be on that national desk quick quick no, and it's going to be she, amazing when she gets there right she's very good i definitely think she sh- can and should be a part of their broadcast team going forward i think she does a phenomenal job um but i mean i at this point i would rather take aj molesco oh who, yeah yeah it probably needs a little bit more fine tuning completely fine over the nonsense that mike milbury is spilling here. you're you're yeah I, i've never heard something more correct being uttered absolutely <laughs> you're right okay good so glad we're in agreement on milbury there uh, what else you got, Mitch? My last one uh, comes from Drez, at Drez J. And I like to usually take things for the social segment that have happened recently, typically mm-hmm. over the last week. Uh, this one comes from June 19th, 2018. Okay, so on June 19th, 2018, uh, BD Galoff tweeted out, uh, day two of Trot's watch. Um, Trot's found at Newark Airport last night. So this is just before the Islanders hired him, right? Right. So this Drez guy replies to BD Galoff, and says some team will click will sorry some team will quickly realize the true genius of the capitals success was the three other all caps coaches and especially Todd Reardon. Swing and a miss. now it, it's a, it, this is a Pens fan, a Penguins fan it seems. Uh, the 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 uh, icon is is a skeleton head for so I don't know why you had to associate skeletons with Pittsburgh Penguins. Either way, uh, so maybe this was in jest, but apparently that was well, that was wildly inaccurate. Yeah, um, that kind of leads into my next one a little bit, uh, where Neil Best tweets amusingly unemotional response from Barry Trotz to the news of Caps firing Todd Reardon. Let's just say he did not seem broken up about it. Which uh, did you see the handshake at the end too? They didn't. I don't think they're on great terms. No, I, they don't seem to be on great terms. They, they really don't. Uh, I, I think what really bothered Trotz was the predatory remark. I, I think that really you bothered so? him. Okay. It, it's not that I don't think that Trotz may not have agreed with him. I just think that he has a way of approaching those situations. He knows he's coached Tom Wilson before, and he has mm-hmm. never called him predatory, even though he has been everything that is predatory. He's the definition of predatory. 
but you don't come out and say those according to like the trust mantra as a coach, right? Like no, you no. don't target another player like that. Uh, there's a way of dealing with it, uh, specifically to the media. You want to say that to trust afterwards, like that was a predatory, cheap play. Cool. But you, you don't do that to the media. I believe that's what Tr- that Trotz feels, and I think that, that he did not like that at all. Okay. Yeah, I think uh, Trotz was definitely happy to stick it to those capitals, I think. Oh, absolutely. They wanted to give him a $300,000 raise because they really wanted this guy. Uh, and then and then he's like, stick it up your 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 place where the sun don't shine. Uh, and then here he is. How do you like that $300,000? Come on, guys. Like... I, he wasn't asking for a crazy amount of money. He wasn't asking Mike Mil- uh, Mike Babcock money. He, I think he got like four. He, he think he's getting paid four by the Islanders. So a $2.5 yep. million raise, which is a lot, but he did just win you a Stanley Cup. So what's going on there? Nope, totally fair. Last one for me is from the New York Islanders account. It says, Isles family, your constant support has been a driving force for our team in the bubble. We wouldn't be where we are without all of you. You're truly the best. Thank you. And it's a video of the Let's Go Islanders banner flying around Toronto, which is just, Mitch, it's unbelievable. I don't think there's another fan base like the Islanders fan base. I really don't. I haven't seen a single other fan base fly a banner in Toronto. I saw that the Philadelphia Flyers sent Gritty. Great. Good job. Um no, I, there there isn't. There really we, we are one of the smaller fan bases, but we are clearly one of the most involved. No, absolutely. So, just wanted to get that one in there because I thought it was an awesome move, and uh, I think the players appreciate it. I really do. The scenes that Scott Mayfield did. I haven't seen anyone else tweet it out or anything like that, but Scotty Mayfield definitely got out there. So, good job by them. Good job by anyone who's who's donated. Good job running it, getting it out. Great idea. Uh, absolutely fantastic. Keep it up. You're the best fan base in the world. Absolutely. So before we get out of here, let's do some plugs. Please make sure to subscribe, rate, review wherever you are listening to the show. Greatly appreciate it. If you haven't already, check out the patron, patreon.com slash eyes on aisles, where you can get postgame podcasts, live streams, a mailbag, all that fun stuff for $5 a month. Definitely worthwhile to check out over there. Lots of fun content coming at you pretty much daily at this point. Trying to get, get it out daily. Like I got, uh, Live stream, got podcasts, multiple podcasts. We've got mailbag. We've got newscasts. We've got everything. Everything. It's all there. Absolutely. And you can follow along with us on social media at Eyes on Isles FS on Twitter. My Twitter is Matt O'Leary NY. Mitch is at TLO Mitch. You could also like our Facebook page, facebook.com slash Eyes on Isles. Uh, download the app, the Eyes on Isles app, available for iPhone and Android. And, of course, visit the website, eyesonisles.com, for all your New York Islanders needs. Mitch, that'll do it for us on episode 158. It was awesome previewing this series. I know uh, you're pretty excited about it, and I am too. I am pumped. Let's go, Islanders, man. Let's go. That'll do it for us. Thank you so much for tuning in. I'm Matt O'Leary. He's Mitch Anderson, and we'll talk to you next time. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. 
Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on brunch for mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.